<laughs> All right. Thank you. All right. Hey, Desperation. Good to be with you all. We've loved hanging out these past couple days. And uh, you guys excited for what God's done in you these past couple days? It's good. It's such an honor for me to get to be up here and spend some time with you. And I just want to even let you know, I mean, the, the, the men that have been preaching these last couple days, it's, uh, they're some of the best communicators in the country to young people. And uh, so it's an honor for me to get to do this. But it's not just that they're great communicators. These are guys that live it every day and they have a heart for the Lord. And so it's, it's so great for that they, what they've been imparting to you. And, you know, you can only impart what you've received from the Lord. And so uh, it's, it's a joy and a, a gr- an honor to be here with you. And I hope that even as we talk for a little bit today, that uh, I just want to talk even from my own story a little bit of some of the things that the Lord's done in me. Uh, and I hope that that can speak to some of you and bless some of you. And so let's go ahead and jump in. Jesus, we welcome you. We thank you for your presence in this place. You are our king and our God. We delight in worshiping you and in being with you. Come and speak to us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. How many of you guys want to know your calling? Anybody want to know what you're called to do? Yeah, we, we love to know our calling. We, we want to know what it is that we're supposed to do with our life. What are we supposed to do with these years that we have? I remember when I was, when I was a little kid, I was probably like five, six years old. Uh, I was at McDonald's with my grandma. We were in, you know, I was playing in the play place. I don't know why I remember that, but just so you know, I really do remember this. And, uh, and we were there and, and I remember my grandma asking me, she was like, Dan, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I looked at her and I was like, well, Nana, I want to be a pastor, a cowboy, and a tiger. I fell a little short on the tiger part, and I'm certainly no cowboy. But, uh, you know, know, even at that age, we asked, what do you want to do when you grow up? And what is it that that God put in your heart? When I was in junior high, I I really loved playing basketball. I loved, you know, hanging out with my friends playing basketball. The first time I ever dunked was when I was in seventh grade. It was on a lowered rim, of course. But, uh, you know, I mean, so I remember... We were driving in the car and we were talking about something. I told my friends, I was like, yeah, I, you know, I think when I grow up, I, uh, I want to be in the NBA. That's my, that's my dream. That's my goal. And uh, I remember my mom kindly trying to explain to me how difficult it would be and the, the, how few people actually make it into the NBA. And I was devastated. I was like, mom. If anybody is supposed to believe that I can do whatever I want to do, it's supposed to be my mom, right? And I was like, mom, I'm going to make the NBA. And she was like, oh, great. That might not be in your DNA. And I was like, well, I don't know. I, uh, I just got back. Uh, Amy and I were gone from Colorado for a while. Anybody notice that there's it's kind of high elevation here? We're higher. Anybody come from sea level? Sea level people? Yeah. Have you had a hard time breathing ever? Walking upstairs, you walk up three stairs and you're like, <gasps> you know, it's like, what is wrong? You know, uh, they say that it takes about six months to get acclimated. It's taken me about 10 years. I'm almost there. And uh, so I, we, were out, we, we were out of town for an extended period of time and we got back and I, I wasn't used to being at this altitude. And Caleb called me and asked me if I wanted to go to the gym and play some basketball. And so I went to, uh, to play and, uh, you know, we, we got on the court and I was feeling good. 
and we ran up and down the court a couple times and I was no longer feeling very good. And uh, let's just say we got ran pretty quickly. And it was on that night that I realized just a few weeks ago that maybe my mom was right. And the dream of making it to the NBA just might not be my calling. I don't know. I mean, it's still, there's still hope, right? There's still hope for me. But it's one of the things that we want to know. We want to know, what am I called to do? What is it, what is it that, that God has put me on this earth for? If, you were to, if, you were to, if, if you're taking notes and you want to title this, this talk right now, I would call it the comfort of calling. Because there's a comfort in knowing that we have a purpose. There's a comfort in knowing that God has something for me and that there's a God-ordained purpose for my life. And I love that. And I love our desire to know that purpose. But sometimes I'm afraid that we've begun to idolize purpose. We've, begun, we've started to take the idea of calling and, and we've made it into the point is that we're, God has given me something that I'm supposed to do and, and we start to pursue that more than we're pursuing God. How many, we're, we're part of, I don't know if you might think I'm really old, I am, but, uh, but we're still in the same generation, okay? So if you were born between the year of 1980 and 2004, let me hear from you. All right. So I, I would venture to guess that that's, that's most of us. Not all of us, David, but most of us. And, uh, and so, you know, so, so we're, 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 you're my people here, right? So we're part of this generation, it's the millennial generation. And there was a recent survey that, that they asked our generation, what, what is it that, that when, when we're, you know, the, our most important thing that we want to accomplish, what's our most important goal? And 81% in their top two was to get rich. Get rich. The second one in their top two at 51% was to be famous. Our goal has become, we want to get rich and be famous. And, and a lot of us actually, we just, we want to be famous without even doing anything to get there. We just want it to happen to us. I like to call that the honey boo-boo effect, right? Like we just want, it's out of nowhere, someone to think that we mean something. And so if we post enough pictures, if we make it cool enough vines, if we, you know, or now our Instagram videos or whatever, if we get enough likes, if somehow I can go viral, you know, I mean, we're, we're in a day where people are getting famous because of their YouTube videos. And we just, we so desire to be known by people. And it's become the driving force behind a lot of our motivation of what we do. And sometimes I worry if this hasn't crept into Christianity. If this hasn't crept into why we do what we do. When I was your age, I was a part of, of, of moments like this. And I, I went to church and I was in youth group. And, and there were incredible leaders that were doing their best to... to teach us and to preach to us. And, but there was this common thing that they would say and they would talk about that, that, that we were destined for greatness and you're supposed to be great. And you, you know, we would get the prophetic words. You're gonna preach to thousands. You're gonna lead worship on huge stages. You're gonna heal people. You're gonna be a missionary to the nations and you are going to change the world. And I began to so by, I mean, I, I bought into it and I said, yes, that's who I am. I remember my senior year, I, 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 I talked that language so much that when my youth pastor uh, gave me, like, I got a book for my graduation gift from a youth pastor and he put in it, you know, I'll be praying for you as you change the world. He put it in quotations marks and I was like, change the world? 
I was like, he doesn't believe in me. What is that about? And we say, because here's the thing is that my friends and I, we heard that well-intentioned, what they were saying, but we interpreted it in our generation's mentality. And we heard not that God wants to use you to advance his kingdom and his great purposes. We heard God is going to use you and you can be successful for God. And actually what we really started to hear is that you can be famous for God. And, I, and we started to get this mentality, man, I can, if I go hard after God and I really give everything I have, then I'm going to be successful. And one day I might be famous for Jesus. But here's the thing. We were not made to be famous for Jesus. We were made to make Jesus famous. Our goal needs to not be that we are the ones that get the glory, that we are the ones that, that somehow are, are praised. No, 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 no. We want to make Jesus famous. And so I'm here to talk to you today about your true calling. And it has nothing to do with your vocation. It has nothing to do with what you'll do in the future to earn money. It has to do with making Jesus famous. That's what we were created to do. That's the reason that we are here on this earth. That is our goal and it is our purpose. Let's read some Bible verses. Just so Banning doesn't tell me that this is unbiblical. Colossians chapter one, verse 16. I'm gonna read a couple verses here. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers, rulers or authorities, all things have been created. Are, are you created? Yes or no? Are you included in that all things? All things are created through him and for him. You were created for God. All right, Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43, verse seven says this, everyone who is called by my name, are you called by his name? Have you said yes to Jesus? Are you a Christian, a Christian? Are you called by his name? Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory. You were created for his glory. Later in verse 21, it says the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. We were created to proclaim his praise. One last one, 1 Peter 2, verse nine. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Actually, we, need to fall, we really need to narrow in on that. Do you know that you are God's special possession? That he looks at you and he treasures you? I hope that this week you get a, a revelation of that. I hope you know that. You are God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Our purpose in this life, we just sang about it. So we were made for his glory. We weren't made for our glory. We weren't made for our story. We were made to reflect him, to make him known. We were made to have relationships so that we may know him and make him known. That's what we were made for. Your great calling is to reflect the glory of God. I think as we look at the Bible, one of the, one of the, you know, the, the lives that really represented this was the life of David. As you read through the life of David, there's some interesting things. In 1 Samuel 13, 14, and then again in Acts chapter 13, it talks about David and it says that he was a man after God's own heart. How many of you guys 
would love, like, okay, do you know that God, there's in the Bible, we see that God gives titles to people, right? And so David's title was that he was a man after God's own heart. That's a pretty sweet title. Like, I'm kind of excited to get to heaven and be like, what's my title? You know, like, God, what did you call me? He said, David is a man after my own heart. Later in, in, in the book of Acts, it says, and David fulfilled God's purposes in his generation. And that's the goal. The goal for all of us, even in this desire to know our calling and to begin to walk in our calling and to walk in our destiny, the goal is that at the end of the day, God would say, you fulfilled my purposes for you in, my, in your generation. That's what we want. That's our heart. That's our cry. That is the purpose. But as it talks about David, I want you to see that it doesn't say that David fulfilled his purposes in his generation. It says that he fulfilled God's purposes. We are a part of a much bigger story. We do have a role to play. God has a purpose for you, but we're a part of his story, not our story. And our job, what we get to do is we get to reflect his glory. We get to bring him honor. I would tell you today, if I would say anything, I want you to hear this. Your destiny, your calling, your purpose is to worship God. You were made to be a worshiper, to be one that shouts the praises of God, to be one that reflects his glory. So as we see the life of David, man after God's own heart, served God's purposes in his generation. You know, maybe you're like, well, let's look at David's story. Of, Of course you could say that. I mean, after all, right? Like David was a pretty cool guy. Like, you know, when he was a kid, he was anointed to be king. That's a good start. And then he went on and he, he played the guitar for a king and then he killed a giant and those are pretty cool things. And eventually he became a king and, uh, you know, he was the greatest king of, of all of Israel. And, and so, you know, then he set up this whole like worship thing that was 24 hours a day and brought, did nothing but bring God glory. So of course David fulfilled God's purposes for him. I mean, he's a, he w- did a lot of cool stuff. He was a good guy. But we all know if, if you've read the story of David at all, David was not just this conquering hero. Certainly he was a great warrior. I mean, they sang about David, right? They sang that Saul has killed his thousands, but David is 10,000. That's not a bad song to have sung about you when you're talking about the king and people are like, yeah, Saul, the king, he's pretty cool. But David, man, that guy is legit. I mean, David was, I mean, he did a lot of great things, but So it's easy to say, of course he was a man after God's own heart. Of course he fulfilled God's purposes for him. But that wasn't all he did, right? David was kind of messed up too. I mean, when he was a kid, you know, he he was alone and he he was not so good that he was the last one of his brothers to be looked at to be king. And then, you know, when he he got there, there there he wasn't a perfect king, right? Like even... Even in the process of getting there, he was a liar. He lied to some priests. He cost people their lives. He, he, he acted like he was insane. You know, I mean, this guy who's going to be future king and supposed to be very well respected is like foaming at the mouth and, and talking, you know, and, and coveting after Goliath's sword, the guy that he killed. And, you know, I mean, then, he, then he, he, he becomes an adulterer and then he murders Uriah and he's a murderer. I mean, I mean this guy isn't exactly perfect. So how could it be said of him that he was a man after God's heart. How could it be said that he fulfilled God's purposes for him? I think that we see a little piece of David's heart when we look at, you know, when he did sin and and we see in Psalm 51 that he immediately runs to God instead of away from God. He runs to him and says, create in me a clean heart, O God. He says, God, I repent. He falls to his knees. He repents quickly. 
I think that's a piece of it. But why does he do that? Even in that whole thing, what, what, why? It's because he knew God. See, I think, I think the secret to David's success, the secret to why at the end of his life, it was said that he fulfilled everything God had for him was because in the beginning of his life, when he was your age, he spent his time on a hillside worshiping God. He spent his time alone with him, a harp and sheep. And he just sang. And it didn't matter if it was a good song or a bad song because those sheep didn't know the difference. He didn't know, he wasn't trained to be a songwriter. He didn't know that someday they would be, his songs would be recorded and that we'd still be singing them today. He didn't know those things. He just took time to be with God and to worship God and to declare who God was. And I believe that it was that, that moment, it was in that time that we look at David and it's that reason that at the end of his life, he could say, or it was said of him that he did everything God had for him because at the beginning of his life, he established that he was a worshiper. Psalm 27, verse four, right? One thing I ask, this is what I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, to behold him, to seek after him in his temple. David said, one thing I ask, this is what I want. You know, above all else, maybe, maybe he wasn't saying this is, this is the only thing he was saying. Above anything else, if I'm gonna be defined by anything, it's this, that all the days of my life, you will find me being a worshiper. All the days of my life, I'm gonna seek after God. All the days of my life, I'm gonna gaze on him. I'm gonna behold him. That's what's going to define me. So you can call me, I might become a king. I might become a giant killer. I might, I might be the greatest king ever. I might do a lot of great things. But at the core, the thing that defines me is I'm going to worship him. I know him. He is worthy of my worship. He is worthy of my praise. That's who David was. And you see it throughout the entire story of his life and how it affected who he was. John chapter four, verse 23 says, yet a time is coming and now has come when true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth. For these are the kind of worshiper the father seeks. God seeks worshipers. God is looking for those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. He is looking for those that will worship him in authenticity with their inner man. Those that will look at him and say, this is the one. And above all else, I don't care what else happens. Good days, bad days, no matter what, I won't be defined by those things. I will be defined as a worshiper. God is looking for worshipers. We were made to reflect his glory. We were made to bring him praise. He's looking for the ones that will actually say yes as Banning talked about last night, and actually do it with all we have to bring him glory. In every moment, he's looking for those. Will we be the ones that respond? Will we be willing to say, yes, God, I'll be a worshiper. I'll be one of those that you're looking for. I'll be one that you're seeking. I think the truth is that you were made to worship. You're gonna worship something. You're gonna worship no matter what where you give your time, where you give your affections, where you give your resources, that which matters most to you, you're going to worship something. 
We were, we just, we were made. That, that, was, that was how we were made. We just, we, we want to be fascinated. We want to be amazed. We want to give praise. So we're going to worship something. Are we going to be the ones that say, yes, we'll worship God. Will we give our affections and times, our resources, our passion to God? Is that going to be what defines us? Is that going to be who we are? I want to talk real quickly on what happens when we worship. See, I think that there is very real things that take place in our lives, in the physical, in the supernatural when we worship God. And so that when we get together like this, it's, we don't just sing or, and we, or we don't just pray and, and declare who God is. We don't just do things, those things because they're fun. We don't just do them because this is what we're supposed to do and for generations, it's what Christians have done. And so we're gonna keep doing it. That's not the purpose, right? I mean, how many of you guys, like, let's be real here, okay? Like if you go over to your friend's house and a bunch of people come over to hang out and you're like, hey, let's do this. Let's just all sing together for a little bit. Now, I guess maybe some of you ladies do this. You have your little dance parties and you record it and it's awkward and whatnot. You know, like, but it, it doesn't it seem kind of weird that the first thing we do when we get together sometimes, or all, most of the time, is that we get together and we sing. I mean, I mean, when we get together at church, you see some masculine dudes singing. And if you just saw them doing that in normal life, you'd be like, that's a little weird. I don't know what, he's dancing, you know, what is this all about? You know, like, <laughs> is it just that that's like what we do? And it's just, we got used to it and we've just, for generations we've done it. So it's just routine. I don't think so. There is a reason that when we get together, we worship God. There's a reason that when we get together, we declare who he is. It actually makes a difference in our life. It actually makes a difference in the kingdom. So the first thing that happens, this isn't like in a specific order. This is the first thing I'm talking about. Is that when we worship, we defeat the lies of the enemy. When you worship God, you defeat the lies of the enemy. Satan comes to accuse he comes to lie, he comes to kill and to steal. And he comes and he accuses you that you aren't good enough. He comes and accuses you that God doesn't care. He comes and he says all these lies. And here's the thing about his lies is that they sound like truth. The thing about his lies is that they are easily confused for being truthful. And so we have to get right and we have to see correctly and we have to see not the way the world sees, but the way that God sees. We stand here and we see through a glass, but dimly, he sees things per perfectly. So we need to look at him and declare who he is so that we can see as he sees. So when David stood before Goliath, he stood there. What was his motivation in going before Goliath? When David was there, he, wasn't, he, he didn't come up to Saul and be like, hey, Saul, hey, I'm supposed to have your job one day. And so because of that, I'll go kill this guy. He has no chance. I'm the anointed one. You know, he didn't stand before Goliath and stand on the fact that he had a calling. When, when, when Goliath was like, fee fi fo fum, I'm going to eat you. <laughs> David didn't say, um, actually, I don't know if you know this, Goliath. I've been anointed to be king. That's my calling. And I'm not there yet, so you can't kill me. It's just going to happen. No, 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 no. He said, how dare this guy defy the armies of the living God? He looked at him and he said, you come against me with sword and javelin. I come against you in the name of, of God. And he said, he began to declare who God was. And so when Goliath said, I'm going to kill you, and that looked like a truth. To anyone watching, they would have been like, yeah, that's true. That is definitely true. 
David said, no, 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 no. I actually know that I have a God who is much stronger than you, much bigger than you. He's delivered me from lions and bears before. I'm not so scared of you. So you can hurl your accusation at me, but I know who my God is. I've spent time singing to him on a hillside. And because of that, I'm not scared of you. So let your lies come, let your accusations come. It doesn't bother me. I love John Egan says it all the time that worship is just declaring a greater reality. Worship is looking and saying, I, I know how the world sees. I know what, what the, the enemy is saying to me. It may look like truth, but beyond that, the greater reality is I serve a God who is king. He is awesome. He is powerful. He's my defender. He's my protector. He loves me. He's for me. And when we get to know those things, then when the enemy hurls his lies, we don't believe them no matter how true they may seem. When we worship God, when we lock eyes on who he is, when we declare who he is, when we declare the truth of the greatness of the God that we serve, that we live for, then we get the right perspective of the earth that we currently live in, the state that we currently are in. Second thing, when we become worshipers that it does is that it enables us to make it through any circumstance. David, life wasn't super easy for him. Right? I mean, David was on, on the hillside with some sheep when Samuel came to anoint the, the, the next king. And he went through all of his brothers before he got to David. And then he finally said, don't you have anyone else? And, and so they were like, oh, you can call David. He's kind of the runt of the litter. Bring him in. And Samuel says, this is my favorite verse in the Bible. He said, oh, don't judge him based on his appearance or his height. Right? <laughs> Listen. I'm five foot, 865 pounds of white boy coming at you today right now, right? And he said, this is God's anointed. And then what happened? He was anointed to be king. And then he waited. And he was, you know, maybe got cool. He's playing, you know, the harp for Saul. And this is the guy that is the king. And next I'm going to be king. That had to be some awkward moments there, you know, David's singing about his future. He's like, one day I'm going to be king. And Saul's like, what? And he's like, sorry, Saul. You know, I don't know that I just, I don't, that's not in the Psalms. And then, you know, then the guy that he's supposed to replace is probably supposed to be mentoring him, probably supposed to be getting him ready, decides he doesn't really like him. So he starts throwing spears at him. And David must be quick. He dodges the spears. He runs away and he goes out to the desert. He goes into the wilderness and the entire nation that is supposed to be his in the future, the people that he's supposed to lead are the ones trying to kill him. But in that moment, he didn't let his calling define him. He didn't let his circumstance define him. He let his God define him. He knew who his God was and he knew that that was who he was worshiping. That was who he was living for. And maybe, the, maybe he was anointed to be king and it would happen, maybe not. That's not the purpose. And when he had the chance, Saul laying before him asleep, David walks in. He's like, hmm, look at here. And Abishai, I love Abishai. He's a really cool guy. He's like, David, let me kill him now. I won't even need to swing my sword twice. He was just saying, I, I could take this guy out and you'll be king. It'll be great. And David said, no, 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 no. I will not touch the Lord's anointed. 
In this moment, David had the opportunity to force his way into his calling. He had the opportunity to force his way into his future destiny, the destiny that God had given him. But he didn't do it because he wasn't mostly concerned about what he was supposed to do. He was mostly concerned about who he was supposed to do it for. So when we worship God, we begin to see him and love him. We have this relationship with God. We know the truth of who he is. He's the one that we, that we, that we worship and adore. He, we have fear of the Lord. Then in good days and in bad days, we're not moved. We're not shaken. We can stay strong because we know who God is. You guys know our, our friend, Britt Hancock, missionary to Mexico. I love Brit, so authentic in his life, given over to Jesus. He, he tweeted this the other day. He has like, literally, he's tweeted like eight times. You know, it's one of those that when, when you actually see it, it's like, whoa, this is, this is gonna be good. This is gold, you know? He said this, he said, there are many things in life that we cannot fight our way through. There is nothing in this life that we cannot worship our way through. There are many things in this life that we cannot fight our way through, but there is nothing that we cannot worship our way through. Whatever happens, good, bad, ugly, doesn't matter. If we will lock eyes with the creator, if we will look to the one that made us, if we will declare who he is, then there's nothing that we can't go through. If we will know that there is a God that loves me and that he's my sustainer, he's my provider, he's the one that is my vindicator. I don't have to fight for my own name. He's my vindicator. So when people talk trash about me, that's okay. I'm not here to defend myself because I know that he's the one I'm living for. And what he says about me is what actually matters. What God says about me is how I actually see myself. So when you say those things about me, it doesn't really matter as much to me because God loves me. God is for me. I know him. I worship him. So as we worship and we declare who he is, then it doesn't matter the circumstances that surround us. Okay, the last thing I'll, I'll talk about, there's, there, I know there's more, but when we worship, we reestablish the correct order of the kingdom. When we worship, we reestablish the correct order of the kingdom. Worship places Jesus in his rightful position as king. Worship declares the truth of who he is. It pushes back the enemy. When we worship, when we gather together like this, we actually advance the kingdom when we worship together because we're declaring truth and where truth is, lies cannot exist. Where light is, darkness cannot be. And so when we worship, we are reestablishing the kingdom. It pushes back the enemy. We glorify Jesus. We establish his kingdom. See what happened was in the garden, you know, man fell. We were told to rule over, you know, over, over this earth and we fell and we lost that and we lost relationship with God and, and there, there, there's this struggle that goes on and now we live in a world where 2 Corinthians calls our enemy the God of this age. And Ephesians says he's the prince of the air. What Jesus did on the cross was that he defeated that. But we're living in the already and not yet and we go to declare the truth of what Jesus has done and to establish his kingdom and to say he is the true king. He is the, he is the one that deserves all worship. He is the one that deserves every human life to glorify him. We have an enemy that absolutely hates it, hates it when you worship. Do you know that? 
when you worship God, I don't think there's anything that ticks the enemy off more. He hates it. He wants to do whatever he can to get you to stop. And I think it goes back to the early, 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 early days. See, Lucifer in heaven, before, the, before he was cast out of heaven, right? He, he was, he's described in the Bible as this great leader and beautiful, more beautiful than any of the other angels. He, he's described as a cherub, a worshiping angel. It was who he was, was that he was a worshiper. And, and as you read the scripture, it becomes pretty clear that he had a lot of authority even. And he might've even been the, the head worshiper in heaven. And one day he decided, you know what? Maybe I deserve this. Maybe I deserve to be worshiped a little bit. Maybe this is my worship that, or I should receive this. And pride began to well up within him. See, the opposite of worship is pride. The opposite of, of declaring the greatness of God is how great I am. So Lucifer began to say, this is for me and I should get some of this. Well, if your job is to bring worship to God and you decide that you're the one that should be getting the worship and so you have this little rebellion, this little coup and you start recruiting these angels to worship you, guess what happens? You get fired. And so Lucifer got fired. I don't know if this is how it went down. I don't know, I, obviously I wasn't there. But I think that it might've gone something like this. He got fired and in that moment, he, he had accusation towards God. That's what he does, he throws accusation. He said, well, who's gonna worship you now? I mean, I'm the one that's leading all this. I'm the one that's beautiful. I'm the morning star, I'm all these things. I'm beautiful, I'm the, I'm the one that leads the worship. Who's gonna worship you now? And I, God, the one who Psalm says, mocks the mockers. He scoffs when people mock him. I think he looked at Lucifer I was like, Really? Really? You know, Jesus said that if we don't cry out, even the rocks would cry out. I think God looked at him and said, hmm, let me reach down, pick up some dirt. You see this dirt? It can do your job better than you. He breathed life into it and created mankind. We were created to bring him worship. That's our job. That's what we're, our honor. That's what we get to do. He breathed life into us and it's our glory to glorify him. That is what we're called to do. That is what we're made to do. And as we do that, he'll use you for his purposes. God does have great plans for you. He wants to use you to do great things, but it's for him. It's for his glory. We get to be a part of his story. That's who we are. Because we're worshipers, we can defeat the enemy's lies. Because we're worshipers, we can make it through any circumstance. We can reestablish the kingdom. I want you to begin seeing worship as an offensive tool that we have against the enemy. It's not just getting together and singing kumbaya. It's not just something we do for fun. It's not just something we do because we like music. It's something we do as an affront against the enemy. And we advance the kingdom when we worship. It's our the great calling to do that. And, as I say this, I want you to know, I'm not talking simply about singing songs. I, I certainly think as we read the scripture, by, the Bible's pretty clear when it talks about worship and when it talks about praise, that words are involved, uh, music is involved, you know, uh, and singing is involved. So worship is singing, but it's not, it's not singing alone. 
And, and so I'm not talking just to like the worship leaders or to the musicians here. All of us are called to be worshipers. All of us are called with everything that we have in all of our life to worship him. Romans 11, 36 through 12, 1. For from him and through him and to him are all things. Again, that's us. From him, through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Then Paul says, I ask therefore brothers, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. For this is your reasonable act of service. For this is the reasonable response. The reasonable response to God is to worship him. And as we see here in Romans, that we, our spiritual act of worship is that in every action, every word, every motive, everything we do, we're not doing it for ourselves. We're not doing it for other people. We are doing it unto him. That is worship. We can worship God no matter what we're doing. No matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing, you can worship God in why you're doing it. You can worship God with your motives. You can worship God with your words. You can worship God as you mow the lawn. You can worship God as you do the dishes. You can worship God as you do homework if you're doing it unto him. We worship God in every moment, in every way. And it's the reasonable response. It's the only reasonable response. Psalm 29 says that in your temple, all, everybody say all. In your temple, all cry glory. It's, you can't help it. Romans 14, 11, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will acknowledge. Every knee, every tongue before God, you cannot help but worship, right? It's like the seraphim, they can't help it. You know, the seraphim, Isaiah 6, Revelation 4, you know, six wings, eyes everywhere, those crazy guys that just are before the throne and they shout, holy, holy, holy all day long. You think they're bored? You think they're like, oh man, I got eyes all over me. I mean, literally the only thing I can do is see. Ah, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. This song has been stuck in my head forever. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy. Man, are you bored yet? How do I get the song out of my head? No, 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 no. These guys covered in eyes, look up, and every time they look at him, they see something new. And they're like, wow, I have never seen that before. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And then they look again and they're like, no way. Do you see that? It's not stuck in their head. It's the only reasonable response is to respond in worship. That's the God we serve. That's who he is. No one can stop you from worshiping. Like it's, it's actually impossible. You can worship at any time, anywhere. You can worship as you walk down the hallway of your school. You can worship as you are taking your driver's test. You can worship anywhere you're at and nobody can stop you. If you're a musician, they can take away your instruments, but guess what? God gave you some instruments and you can worship him. He gave you some wind instruments that you can sing with. You can worship him in that way. They can take away your instruments, but God gave you your own. They can tell you, to, they can shut you up. Someone can shut me up. They say, you can't, you can't make noise and you can't speak. Guess what? They can't stop me from thinking. And I can worship him in my mind because he is the God that hears everything, that knows everything. And I can, they can't stop my motives. They can't stop the reason that I do things as worship. They can't stop me from worshiping. You, you know, maybe they're like, well, okay, well, we can't stop you from thinking. We can't stop your motives. We can't, well, maybe we'll just take your life. 
Well, guess what? They take my life. I'm before the throne worshiping. No one can stop you from worshiping. It's what we were made to do and it's what we get to do and no one can stop us. We were made to reflect his glory. It's what we will do for eternity to declare his greatness and to sing to him and to praise him. That is who we are. So I want to, again, I want to go back to where I started of not taking comfort in a, in a specific calling, whether it's your vocation, your ministry, your title, your impact. We need to leave those to the one that looks at us and says, trust in me with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, what? Acknowledge me. In everything you do, acknowledge me. In everything you do, see me, know me, declare me. And if you do that, then I will make your path straight. See, David, he didn't get to be king. He didn't get to be the one that said that he accomplished all that God had for him because he went out and tried to make it happen. He was a worshiper and God ordered his steps. He said, I will acknowledge God in everything I do. I trust in him and him alone. And God is the one that, that, that ordered his steps so that he reached his full destiny. And that can be our story too. That can be who we are. You have assignments. God will give you assignments. He has a purpose and a destiny for you. But we need to not idolize the calling. We need to not idolize what, what we think we're supposed to be. We need to recognize that our goal, our purpose is to be a worshiper and to declare who he is. God can, God will achieve his purposes. Do you know that? God is sovereign. He can do whatever he wants to do, whenever he wants to do it, however he wants to do it. He's a big God. He's powerful like that. And he actually doesn't need us to do it. He's going to get it done through someone. He invites us to be a part. He invites us to play a role. If you're like, oh no, but if I don't preach, will, will anybody preach? Yes, he'll get his message out. Someone will say yes. But he wants you to be a part. We have the honor of saying yes but you know what is unique to you and you alone? Your worship. No one can worship him like you can worship him. We sang it earlier. No one can bring him joy the way that you bring him joy. That is what your great honor is, that you bring delight and joy and glory and worship to God like no one else in all of history can. And if you say yes, he'll use you to fulfill all that he has for you. And in it, you'll recognize that this wasn't really about you to begin with. It was really about him. Corey, if you guys want to come back up here, I, I want to I pray for, we're going to go into a time where I just want us to do this. I want us to worship together for a little bit. Is that okay? I mean, if we're all together, we might as well, we might as well worship together. And listen, we can worship in a giant room like this, or you can worship by yourself. It does, it, both are accomplishing the same goal. So in just a minute, we're gonna, we're gonna tick the enemy off a little bit and we're gonna worship together. We're gonna confuse him a little bit. We're gonna advance the kingdom together a little bit by declaring the greatness of our king. 
But I want to pray for those of you first that would say, I want to do this. I want the Romans 12. I want with all that I have in every motive, every action, everything. I want it to be defined as a worshiper. I want to be someone that encounters God, that like David, I, I, I go to the hillside. I find my identity in worshiping God. I declare who he is and I will be a worshiper. If you want, if you'd commit that you want to be a worshiper of God for all of your days, I, I want to just invite you to come up forward and I want to, or up front and I want to pray for you. Worship God with song. Worship God by out loud. You can whisper. You don't have to. I mean, it doesn't have to be loud. Let's just begin to declare who He is. worshiping God, that you've been more concerned about title than just knowing who God is. I just want to give you a moment and let's just repent of that. God, we repent of worshiping anything other than you. We repent of taking comfort and having a calling rather than taking comfort in our King. We put our trust in you, Jesus, our great leader, the great shepherd, one who leads us, who loves us. We want to worship you with all that we have. Every moment, God, may every thought bring you glory. May every motive, God. We want to be those in process, but every motive brings you glory. We want to be those like David that are quick to run to you in our weakness rather than running away from you. our confidence come from you not from ourselves not from others may we declare your greatness your love your truth with all we have in Jesus name Amen